Hi everyone, uh, this is Nate, and we're going to do things a little differently today. So I've had a couple responses about the podcast um, from a few different people. I'd like to say big shout out to Amanda and thank you for helping share that way over in Vermont. We do appreciate you. Um, do appreciate you that's going to a few AA meetings with me starting tomorrow. Really do appreciate that. Um and I would like to, I would like to say, Brandy. Um, she's going to start us off with our very first question. Hello. So I listen to um, all of your podcasts, and um, I want to say huge steps for you. Huge steps. Um, big congratulations on uh, remaining sober. And um, I keep seeing your coins. Um, when was the last time you had a drink then? Um, it didn't state in that podcast. Okay, so the coins that she's talking about are the chips. Um, I posted my six-month chip on there, and I posted my seven-month chip on there. Um, now, officially, uh, June 30th is my sobriety date. And... So what happened was I was actually trying to quit at the time. I moved back to Colorado. Um, I mentioned that in prior podcasts. I moved back to Colorado, still struggling, still going in and out of detoxes, just really trying to quit. At the same time, my aunt's trying to help me get into treatment centers. I'm to the point to where I'm drinking hand sanitizer. I'm buying cooking wine. I'm... I'm doing anything and everything. I'm scavenging for every last drop. So, um, I end up going 31 days successfully um, sober. And I'm hanging out with this lady. Um, and she is, we're both staying homeless, okay? We're going to AA, we're walking around town, we're getting our IDs, we're we're actually taking care of business and being pretty productive. So we both have a job at the same place. So we go to work um, on June on June 30th. And they told us that they didn't need her that day. That I, but they needed me. So I, I stayed at work and I was working. And during my shift, she came in a couple times. And I could tell she was downtown and she was drinking. Well, it was kind of irritating me. And then she got, the last time, um, she got mad and she stormed off because I said, we should stay sober. Well, I get irritated. I get in my emotions and I get off work. I walk up and down Main Street looking for her, checking the bars to see if she's in there. Don't see her. Well, the last stop. I stop at the bar. It's the last one at the end of the street. So I decide, screw it. I'm going to get a drink. So I ordered a double. Um, a double shot. And I drank that double shot. Um, and then walking back down the street towards my work, I stopped at, a, at another place and I got another double shot. Well, at this point, I'm... I'm Starting to get a little buzzed. 
I ran into this dude that knew me that I didn't really know him. He recognized me from one of the prior times that I was intoxicated. And he had this brilliant idea of, let's walk to the liquor store and get a bottle. And it'll be much cheaper. And then we can just hang out and kick it. So, uh, my, my illness that I struggle with tells me, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, everything's going to be alright. You're going to just drink tonight and you'll be better tomorrow. Just go get this bottle. Enjoy yourself. You need to do it. You're, you need to relax and not worry about this girl and just have a couple drinks. So we walk to the liquor store. We pick up the bottle. Um, we go back to Main Street. We sit on the bench. Um, they're smoking weed and I'm downing the bottle pretty much as fast as I can. Well, it, it, the bars started closing down. So, I told the gentleman he could stay at my, at what you would call my camp for the night. So, what happened was we were walking, we walked back and we got there. Well, she happened to be there. So, then, um, this is actually June 29th. And then the 30th, we... The gentleman left, and we stayed in there, and we drank. Well, the next morning, I started feeling really bad. Now, this is the morning of June 30th. Started feeling terrible. Um, withdrawn, hung over, my head's hurting. So I walk over to a city market, a local grocery store, and I know that I can't buy alcohol because it's not even 8 o'clock yet. And I know that I can buy cooking wine. Um, it's cheap, so I stick one bottle in my pocket, and I go to the register, and I buy a bottle. So I have two bottles, right? <clears throat> so then what happens is that morning, my shift's coming up for work. Well, she she is buzzing, too. She said, oh, they don't need me for work. I'm not going um, I'm going to go over to this guy's house where I can take a shower and get ready. Well, at this point, I'm kind of irritated. I know about this guy. I know past stuff about him. Um, so I think we just need to get a room for rent. So I get paid. I get off work. And I'm walking to this Craigslist ad that I had replied to. Now, I got off work. I was starting to feel like shit because the cooking wine was starting to wear off. So I decided it's a good idea to get a bottle on my walk over there. So I get a bottle of vodka and two shooters. I start heading off. Um, by the time I get to the other side of town by where they live, um, there's another liquor store. I'm out of alcohol completely. I've already drained it dry. So I buy another bottle and I buy two more shooters. Um, once again, I got those shooters just in case I need them for the withdrawal process. So, I take a couple swigs. I remember going into their house. And I remember them showing me... These are tenants that answered the door, okay? The tenants. Um, and they're showing me a room that I would rent and stay there with them. So, I go and I look at the room. And I look at the bathroom. 
and they ask me if I want something to drink. They get me a soda, and apparently, once I sat down on the couch, it was a blackout. That's the last thing I remember. Um, I was waiting for the owners to come. Well, what the police report stated was that I was um, taking swigs of the bottle of alcohol on the couch. So, and I was drinking the soda as well. And they had initially said that that was their soda. So, they didn't, the owners showed up apparently. They didn't know how I got in. They didn't know what was going on. So, I initially got charged with burglary. Because they, they were under the assumption when they called the cops that I had broken in. And that I had taken a soda. <clears throat> well, anyways, um, it comes out. Um, and I end up going to jail. Um, I remember, I remember waking up in the Booking County Jail and just thinking, oh man, here I am again. Here I am again. Can this be the last time that I do this? And I remember just going through the withdrawal process and how miserable it was. And to be honest with you, this wasn't... Theoretically, this wasn't my worst bottom. Everybody says you got to hit a rock bottom before you get rid of addiction. This wasn't my... I've, I've been in worse situations. I've been through tougher situations physically, mentally. Um, but what this one did... Okay. Um, the reason why I was homeless and staying with this, this female is because... I I was initially staying with my mom, um, visiting, staying with her, trying to get into treatment because my ultimate goal was to get back to Phoenix once I got treatment and started feeling better. Um, well, once I decide I'm going to stay for a little bit, I look for a room and try to rent a room. <clears throat> Anyways, staying with my mom, right? Um, the first time she asked me to leave... I leave and I have nowhere else to go and it's in the middle of the night. So I go to Walmart. This is about, this is in April, okay? So this is a few months prior. And I'm, it's kind of cold here in Colorado um, in the middle of the night. So I'm just, I have nowhere to go. I wander around Walmart for about, they said I was there over four hours and didn't buy anything. So they said they repeatedly seen, seen me go to the bathroom, which I had a bottle of vodka and a couple shooters with me. So that makes sense. Well, um, I ended up getting a trespassing charge from Walmart. That's the first time my mom asked me to leave. The second time she asked me to leave, I went and stayed with one of her neighbors um, and drank with one of her neighbors, and I was hidden out with them, and they hid me out for about a week, week and a half, um, until they got tired of my drinking, until they realized that I did have a problem, and it wasn't their problem, it was my problem. So, <clears throat> I come back once again to my mom's house, you know, I have good intentions. I really, really want to quit. I come back to Colorado just to get rid of this addiction. Just to try to fight it. To just, because I, I've tried rehab programs. Um, I've tried in, 
inpatient in Phoenix, that program where I was going to work. I've tried outpatient through the criminal justice system, DUIs. Um, I've tried Christian counseling. I've tried AA a few times. I want to get into an inpatient program. Good, solid idea in my heart. Um, my mom's a seven-year recovering alcoholic, okay? So by, by me bringing alcohol into her house to begin with, big no-no. Like, that's very disrespectful. Now, unfortunately, I have an illness that tells me that it's okay and everything's going to be all right. And every single day it does that. So, here I am again. Already disrespected her a few times. Um, she lets me back in. And I remember I was hiding bottles in her house. I had already been to detox three times. Um, I, had, I had hid bottles in her house. Um, and she finally found it. And I came home one day. I actually left to go get alcohol and I was coming back and I was coming back in and I thought I was had it hidden and I was good to go and <clears throat> she just calmly told me I needed to leave and I was no longer welcome now when when you have somebody that has been through it that is understanding with what you're going through and willing to help you and then when somebody at that level, especially my mom, tells me that I'm no longer welcome, it's like, man, I must have real—I must really be a mistake. I must really be a fuck up. I must really mess shit up. So, um, I keep drinking. I keep drinking. Um, I live down by the river for a little bit, and then I. It, the river floods. I remember a place kind of by my mom's house that's um, like a little a little cabin type deal. Like a, it's like a woodshed kind of in some trees. Good little fort. So I'm staying there. I run into this girl, um, this woman. Uh, she's about my age. I'm 32, by the way. <coughs> but um. <coughs> Anyways, she wants to drink with me, so we come back, we start drinking at the camp, you know, she, she decides she wants to stay with me, because her mom lives way up on the, past the mon monument, so it's probably about a 25-30 minute ride every day to get to town, so she says she's going to stay with me, right? So she's staying with me, um, we're, we're drinking like crazy, drinking hard. For a solid three or four days. Well, one morning I woke up and I said, I can't do this anymore. Um, my body can't take it anymore. I have to go. I have to go to detox. You can come with me if you want. You don't have to, but you can come with me. So she decided um, we're going to finish a bottle and go to detox. Well, we get down to the detox place. We show up. <coughs> They accept her in right away. 
And unfortunately, I did a breathalyzer. They said I wasn't drunk enough to go in there. So what I had to do is walk right across the street, buy a bottle of vodka, down it as quick as I could, walk back, and then they almost said that I couldn't get accepted because I might have to go to the hospital. So they observed me for a couple hours, and then they let me in. <clears throat> so we did the the five-day detox program together. Um, there was a couple times where she wanted to leave early, and I talked to her to stay in. And the relationship looked like, you know what, we both want to get better. This could possibly be a promising thing. And, you know, being being an alcoholic... I want to see the good in things. I want to see the, yeah, yeah, we can do this together. Yeah, I don't want to do this. It would be easier to do it together. That's what my addiction tells me. Because subconsciously I know, I'm thinking like, you know, if she messes up or if I mess up, we go down together. We stick together through thick and thin. My delusional mind. (laughs) The distorted thinking that goes on sometimes to allow ourselves to be in certain situations. Myself, at least. I can only speak for me. So, we get out of detox. <clears throat> and we we go back to camp. And we decide we're going to do this. We're going to stay sober. Well, for those 31 days, we were on missions, taking care of stuff. We were looking for a job. We both got a job finally at the same place. Um, we were walking clear across town. We were packing in our food every night. It was rough. Honestly, it was rough. We had to go downtown to this place that, that they let the homeless take showers in the morning and give them free coffee. So <laughs> I never would have thought I would have been in that circle. And here I am. In downtown taking showers just what happened where did where did things go so then um i make it to 31 days we hit a couple a meetings just to for for time killer but it wasn't like we were trying to live the program we were just going there to meet people and talk and Maybe see if we might get something out of it. Maybe somebody will throw us a bone. <clears throat> um, but yeah, then that's that's when the one day we went to work. And she wasn't scheduled to work. And I got out frustrated. And off work frustrated. And I allowed my emotions to control me. I did not take it to the cognitive side of my brain, which that's another reason why I love treatment. I loved going to treatment. There was a, it wasn't my counselor, but it was like the supervising counselor. He helped me to, when you, whenever you have a feeling, to take that feeling of whatever it is you're thinking about and take it to the cognitive side of the brain. So, like, for example, I'll give you one right now. My, I want to get my license back. My emotion on that is, I need it, I want it. Oh man, I'm getting down, getting discouraged. Okay, let's take it to the cognitive side. What can I do for it right now? 
Well, I'm enrolled in classes. I'm waiting for them to contact me for dates. I had my DRS, my old classes, sent over to this. So I've done everything possible at this moment that I can. And there's not absolutely nothing I can do this very second. So then I feel a little better about that and I can move it to the side. And then you pull something else up with an emotion that's bothering you. Take it to the cognitive side. Break it down. What can I do? What can I do? What needs to be done? And then you start releasing all this weight. And But at that time, I, I was struggling with those emotions. And I wasn't ready. I, I'm, if I went and went to treatment, I probably would not be sober right now. Even if I would have been arrested, even though I did get arrested, if I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to treatment and establish a good foundation for my for my alcoholism, um, for my sober living plan, um, I can probably honestly say that I would not be sober probably right now, or I would be in an institution, I'd be in prison, jail, or I'd, I'd be dead, <laughs> so... <clears throat> so grateful for that opportunity and it's not because I wouldn't want to be sober because I absolutely would want it but I, I was struggling with the tools the resources the the little push like for example right now I can go to two three AA meetings a day I have a few times doesn't bother me because I got that foundation when I went to that program that treatment program on it needs to be number one now if I would have went straight from out of jail to probation how how am I going to feel about going to two or three AA class two a two or three AA groups in a single day it's probably going to be kind of hard to talk myself into that situation um you know just being honest with myself <clears throat> And so I think that, and I got down to a lot of the deep stuff that was bothering me in there. But yeah, that's my sobriety date, June 30th, 2019. And I do appreciate you, Brandy. And I appreciate you, Amanda, for um, spreading the word. And I just help, I appreciate everybody that helps contribute and helps support. And, um... Oh, and um, as well as the gentleman that hopefully, if if he stays sober, if he goes to group with me, to AA with me tomorrow and he stays sober, then all these podcasts are worth it. Then the next 30 podcasts would be worth it if one person can be helped. So if you can... Throw a share in there. I, you never know. Somebody might hear it and reach out. Somebody might open up. And if you do hear it and you want to open up, you want somebody to talk to, I'm here. And with that, I hope you guys have a great day. And thank you for listening. <laughs>